In this episode, learn about additive manufacturing, a shift in design thinking, and powder management. It's difficult. gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode. Before we get to our guests, please, 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 if you want to help me support the show and I need your help, leave me a review. It takes all of three minutes. If you like any of our other seven oil and gas podcasts, spoiler alert, it will be eight by next week. Go leave them a review as well. And we got a bunch more coming down the pipe. Our guest today is actually Dr. Zach Murphy. How are you doing today, Zach? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Before we get to your story, I just want a big shout out to Nutanix. They're the sponsor of the show. If you need help modernizing your data center and running an application at any scale, on-prem or in the cloud, these are the folks you want to talk to. Reach out to them. So, Zach, you do some really cool stuff around 3D printing. But when I say 3D printing in oil and gas, a lot of people think plastics as prototypes. That's not what you do, is it? No, it's not. We are printing in-use parts in metal. That is insane. Now, 3D printing has come a long way since it first came out as almost like a hobbyist thing, you know, six or seven years ago. But the fact that y'all can actually print metal, that allows you to actually produce real products that, especially in oil and gas, that can be used to kind of talk me through your backstory. How did you get involved in all this? Yeah. So it's been a long and convoluted path, but I actually got into metal additive through oil and gas. I was working at an oil field service provider and uh, I was in the R&D group for the completions side of things. Right. And, and our technology director saw some advanced manufacturing and thought that additive manufacturing would be an interesting way to go. So he essentially said, go out, do research, and buy one of these million-dollar machines to print parts. Must be nice somebody just give you a company credit card to go buy a million-dollar machine to print parts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was fun to be able to do that research. If I'm being completely honest, I said, we may not want to buy one of these because I don't know that it's ready for production. But that was seven years ago, so things have definitely changed. Now, why was the awful service company interested in this? Is it for parts that you couldn't replace? Is it just-in-time delivery? What was the business driver behind that? I think the main business driver was just-in-time delivery. I think that being able to print parts on the fly and not maintain an inventory was a big deal from a supply chain perspective. But there was definitely some new product development that would benefit from it as well. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. It's, you know, our industry, no matter what anybody says, supply chain is an issue, whether it's upstream, midstream, downstream of service. And that those there's inefficiencies there. So those, and those inefficiencies can be driven out by something called just-in-time delivery. And if the audience doesn't know what that is, I think automotive, I don't know if they pioneered it or they were just the best at it, but it's literally when you're about to use the last bolt and you're technology talks to your vendors technology says we need more bolts and the new set of bolts shows up right when you use your last one so it's really interesting that you got involved in this from that point of view but let's kind of bring it up to the future what is the name of your company we are velo 3d so velo 3d does this not just in oil and gas but all different types of industry verticals don't y'all yeah aerospace aviation and propulsion are one of our big industries and then oil and gas is probably right behind that and so is what is the business driver you think today in 3D printing of, of parts in oil and gas? So I think there's still the notion that just-in-time delivery would be really beneficial. But I think there's also, like I said, a lot of new products that are being developed that can really benefit because it kind of unlocks 
the possibilities for an engineer in terms of what geometries are, are possible. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about this, get a little bit deeper to the science. So I know I'm probably oversimplifying things, but you literally have some type of tool or tools that literally prints almost like inkjet printer prints on paper, but you're printing metal. Is that metal molten? Yeah. So there are a lot of different, what people refer to as modalities of metal printing. Ours is laser powder bed. So we use a laser and what's essentially micro welding, very thin layers of powder that we're spreading over a bed. And we do that layer upon layer upon layer until you build the final part. And so is there limitations to that? I mean, if, if I wanted to pay to print something that was you know, six inches thick or something that was six microns thick. I mean, is there limitations on the actual production process? Yeah, there are definitely some physical limitations. I think one of the big ones, especially in oil and gas applications, is the size of part that can be printed. And because you're building in a powder bed, you have to fill up this volume with what is essentially powdered metal. So it kind of, it does mean that the build volumes, you know, you're not going to print a 30 foot long section of pipe with this. But for small critical components and high value components, it's definitely a really good use. Yeah. So for small critical components, I typically think of CNC machining, right? So you take a hunk of metal and you machine it down to the exact little thing you need. What's the advantage of 3D printing over machining? So one of the big advantages is that you can print objects with very complex internal passages. So if you have, you know, like a hydraulic manifold or closed impeller or some other piece that you would have to essentially machine in a bunch of different parts and then weld together or braze together. Or if you have a component that has, you know, a crazy amount of gun drilling that you're then going to have to go back and put in lead plugs and kind of make function, we can simplify that pretty dramatically by just printing it with all the internal passages already part of it. That is so cool. I can visualize that, right? So in when you look at it from a structural point of view, because you're able to basically build it from the inside out, there's probably not very many limitations to what you can actually do. And it has to be in some ways structurally more stronger or more secure because a lot of the machining work that's done, especially on precision parts, they will precision machine parts and then they end up welding it together. And that weld typically is the weak point in that part. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a common question is the kind of the mechanical properties of what we're printing. Because it is kind of mysterious, right? You just have all this powder that turns into a, a part at the end of the day. But nothing, str- nothing stranger than watching them weld underwater, cut steel through a, a <laughs> water bath. The first time I saw that, I go, is that even physically possible? And, and yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the parts that we're printing are generally stronger than castings. So it's very high quality material at the end of the day. And then I'm sure because you're printing and you're using basically metal power that the metallurgy part of it can be changed, right? If a client needs something that's more corrosion resistant or more resistant to tension or to compression, you can change the qualities of that metal? There is some amount of customization you can do there. But I think one of the really big things is that it brings alloys that are hard to work with, like in a machining perspective, into applications. So like when I was in completion tools, one of the alloys that we like to work with was Inconel. Know it well. But it's very hard to machine. So a lot of times the cost of machining would make it so that a tool wasn't a good candidate for Inconel. But now with printing, the cost is almost the same for the powdered material. So something that was stainless steel can very well be Inconel now. That is so cool. I never even thought about that. My exposure to Inconel is the subsea manufacturer Technique FMC, which is now Remainco or Spinco, which is a good, they could change their name again. I got mm-hmm. to tour their manufacturing facilities years ago, and they were coating the inside of the tree body with Inconel. They were actually welding it in. 
So in your world, not that I'm saying you can do that now, but from a technical challenge point of view, at some point in the future, we're going to be able to print big things like trees, maybe instead of actually machining them. That's an incredible. So, so where I'm going with this is, can you mix metals? Like as you're printing this part, and if one part of it needs to be this alloy, one part needs to be this other, like can you do that in the printing process? There are some processes where you can where you can start to look at that. For our specific modality for laser powder bed, it's a single material per print. So that is one limitation that we do have. But there are other methods like what they call direct energy deposition, which is kind of like TIG welding type of process where you can change the feedstock live during a print. So you can get multi-material. Uh, that is parts. incredible. You know, it's amazing. So there's a lot of technology behind this, right? So it's it's not just the printing machine, but you have to have a lot of software that's thinking of this 3D image and making sure everything's measured precisely. So the technology is more than just the printing part. It's also the tech that allows you to design and then feed that design to the printer itself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the interesting problems you run across in, in metal additive is that the when you look at CAD tools, a lot of times the interaction with a part is based around machining. So you have extrusions or revolved cuts or other features, and they're all kind of based around like a CNC type of mindset. So there's definitely new design tools that are expanding that quite a bit, but there is shift that has to happen in design thinking to really capitalize on it. No, I totally get it, right? Because when I think of a lot of the parts, I think of some type of machining because that's how it's always been done. And I can see that the software, because the software is user built or the users influence the design of software, I can see the software also wanting to reflect that machining process. Did y'all have to develop your own software? Yeah, we've developed quite a bit of software. Most of that has been on the setup of builds. So kind of if you think about CAM software for our machine, we're not so much on the design side, but there are some really good tools being developed to help with design aspects. Yeah, and then so you take that design X, that, that design, what the hell would you call it? It's not a print. <laughs> you take that design package yep. or file, right? And then you feed it into you alls software and that software is what controls the 3D printer. Exactly, yeah. You take the CAD file and feed it into our software and set up a build and basically make a set of instructions that our machine then executes. Yeah. And then once you've done that once and the part comes out and it's been quality tested and it fits and it does its job, you can just print that part over and over and over and over, can't you? Yeah. And you can do it on demand. So that's where the just-in-time manufacturing really comes into play. And so if I had an oil-filled service company and I had some impellers that I was constantly going out, if I had one of your printers on my location or in my warehouse, could y'all print that from anywhere in the world? Like as long as you have connectivity? Yeah. Yeah. You could, as long as you have a machine on site, you can transfer the digital files, hit print, and you should get nearly identical part at the end of the day. All right. So now I'm kind of work, curious about y'all's business, your business model. How do y'all make money? <laughs> so Velo3D makes and sells the machine itself and the software that accompanies it. But what we've done here is set up a network of contract manufacturers, many of which are qualified across different oil and gas companies, and they print parts for the OEM at the end of the day. That is so cool. I didn't even realize that's how y'all made money. So you're literally the supplier of the tools needed to make this work. And then you sell those tools, which is the printer and the software, to companies that want to go down this route. Correct. Yeah. And it's really important to have these contract manufacturers who have established relationships and who have reputations as makers of high quality parts so that the oil and gas companies can really trust what they're getting from them. 
Yeah, I watched the, uh, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I watched the Chinese companies a few years ago shoot themselves in the foot. They came into oil and gas, I say a few years ago, it's probably a decade ago. They came into the oil and gas industry and they were able to capture a lot of business from manufactured goods because they were cheaper, but their quality was horrible. And things leaked and things blowed up and blew up. And unfortunately, some people died. And now the oil and gas industry won't touch it because of quality. Quality is so important when you're in an industry where bad things can happen if something breaks. And speaking of quality, the software and the machine itself ensures the quality, right? You're kind of taking out that human element. I know it sounds bad, but because <laughs> because there's not somebody there with the, an arc welder welding, if the design is right, then the, the quality is consistent from part to part. Yeah, and actually yesterday, we launched our quality control and assurance platform, which is called Assure. And that does essentially what you're saying. It, it provides the user with the confidence they need to be able to put these parts in critical applications. That is so cool. I actually, we just lucked up in time. It's what the audience doesn't know is we try to record this yesterday and we had some technical <laughs> challenge. So we're recording this today, but congratulations on launching a quality assurance product. That is really cool. So you actually enable these other companies to print parts and pieces. Where, what do you, in oil and gas, what's like the biggest, you know, three or four things that these companies print for the industry? So there may be some selection bias here because I come from kind of the completion side. Right. Um, but on the completion side, I think there are a number of applications that seem to be very good candidates. So when you're looking at some of the more complicated tools that on the production string with internal passages and kind of complicated hydraulics, those are definitely good candidates. Actually, even wireline tools. So the fact that you can print long tools, especially in like titanium so that they're light. Um, that is, is so cool. Yeah. I cannot believe y'all can print titanium. That is amazing. That's why y'all so popular in aerospace has to be because titanium is used a lot there. Yeah, I think in aerospace, they have what they call the buy-to-fly ratio. So it's the amount of material you buy versus the machined part at the end of the day. And they often machine away 90% of the part. I was just going to say, if you ever watch something that's machined down, the amount of shavings that's left, I've, I was going to say, it's a huge amount. I didn't know it was 90%, but it makes sense. Yeah. And those chips are expensive, especially when they're titanium. Yeah. So in the process of setting this company up and running this company, y'all had to establish or had to run into some challenges because 3D printing sounds Star Warsy, right? And so you're bringing something new to an industry that is risk adverse. Industry doesn't like new stuff because if you do it in a certain way with a certain technology and a certain process and nothing leaks, nothing blows up, you don't want to change that process. So was it hard coming into oil and gas and actually picking up some business or because the fact that a lot of the oil and gas companies had already dipped their toe into 3D printing, it was a bit easier from a sales point of view. Yeah, no, I, I think that oil and gas, you're right. Oil and gas is a pretty conservative industry, rightfully so. And for us, what it came down to is really kind of the proof in the pudding. So we needed to be able to make parts and demonstrate the quality that was required. But I think it's still an ongoing process, right? When you look at like API certs for 3D printed metal parts, that's still an area of active work. Yeah. Yeah. And if people don't know, API sets the standards for literally everything. <laughs> the soap, if you go offshore, the soap you're washing your hands has met some API standard. So let's go back to the technology part. Let's go back to the printer itself. So is the printer something that y'all, it's an off the shelf printer? Or is it something y'all manufacture or something y'all have designed for you? So we're, we're the technology company. We developed the vast majority of the technology on the system. We're building that through contract manufacturing. So we kind of maintain the technology aspect of it. Right. And then do final integration and testing and ship the machines to our customers. Yeah. So y'all design the machine. Somebody else is building it for you because that's their sweet spot, not yours. Um, yeah. And then y'all just ship it out to people. And so in the process of 
designing a 3D metal printing machine. What are some of the challenges y'all ran into? I, I still, I mean, I know it's real because I've seen it on video, but it still sounds like magic to me. <laughs> yeah, I, so I think when you kind of break the system down into its subcomponents, it's not that complicated. There is right. an, an optical system that points the laser at a certain part of the build platform. There's a gas management system. There's a powder management system. And then an elevator that moves up and down and, and lets you kind of build layer by layer. But the honestly, one of the things that's, I think, surprisingly difficult is the powder management and also the gas management. You would think it would be the optical system, but making powder behave like you want it to is surprisingly difficult. Why is that? <laughs> Mainly because it likes to go where you don't want it to go. <laughs> and and Inconel powder, if you think about it, it's very, very hard and abrasive. So it's kind of, honestly, it's kind of like propent. If you're pumping it through stuff, it likes to wear holes in things and go where you don't want it to go. I can see that. And because you're having to move it around, it is has an abrasive characteristic to it, which means some of the parts in your printer have to be <laughs> maybe made of Inconel themselves just to resist that. Yeah, yeah, you have to do some some definite abrasion resistance <laughs> internally. Yeah, and so what's the physical limitations of a part, like size-wise? How big a product can you actually kick out? Sure, so our build volume is a cylinder, and it's about 12 and a quarter inches in diameter and 16 inches in height. Okay, that's pretty big. Yeah, so anything that can fit inside that, we can more or less print. And so is there? A, have you seen an uptake in interest for, in the oil and gas industry and what y'all are doing lately? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've we had some initial projects that we were working on, especially with the oil field service providers, and those have proven to be really beneficial from business aspect and from the technical aspect. And so with those initial wins, we're starting to pull in other product groups who are really interested in the technology and really building momentum. Yeah, it's a, we're going through a change and I've never seen technology be looked at and adopted as quick in my 25 years in the industry as I have the last couple of years. It's being driven by a bunch of things. We're in this hydrocarbon abundant world forever. That shale geology is not unique to the U.S., but it's also this new younger workforce that's coming in that's not heads down, you know, their heads up and they're looking for new ways and new processes to do so. So good for y'all. Y'all timed it either accidentally just right <laughs> or, or, or purpose just right. What's the future hold for y'all? I mean, I, I realize you have your existing business model and you're going to grow that in oil and gas and other verticals, but are y'all looking at bigger and better stuff? And if it's proprietary, you don't have to say anything. No, I think it's the vision is basically to drive this product, this metal additive manufacturing into new applications. And one of the things that is limiting the applications now is cost. These parts are, are sometimes expensive. So if you can increase the throughput of machines, increase the size of parts that you can print, you can start to drive the cost down for the printed parts and really start to make a dent in manufacturing as a whole. Yeah, that's just part of that maturity scale, right? Y'all are probably in the beginning of that bell curve. At some point, it, the mass will help drive costs down. Do y'all get requests for producing parts that you can no longer buy? You know, that somebody went out of business or something? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the challenges with additive manufacturing is that often the geometric limitations of what you can print mean that it's hard to print legacy parts. And that's one of the reasons that we have focused so intently on expanding geometric capabilities. So now our machine is actually capable of taking parts that are legacy parts and printing them basically without any need for redesign. Whoa. So you're using some type of measuring system like laser or whatever, and it's making a 3D model of the legacy part, and that's what gets put into your software? So we still are taking CAD data um, okay. as the input. But there's no need to, to redesign a part. So if you have a complicated part, 
that's no longer in conventional manufacturing, we can take the CAD data for that part and print it without any need for redesign, which is a pretty dramatic departure from the capabilities of some of the more conventional additive systems. Yeah, it's I, can't, I don't want to say which pipeline company it was, but they... <laughs> somebody in their in their history made a decision to buy only one brand of pumps years ago and that company unfortunately went out of business and now they spend an unbelievable amount of money getting parts made and instead of just replacing the pumps i still don't know why they do that it doesn't make sense but <laughs> but there may be a reason right maybe a business reason maybe the pumps are better i don't know but you know people if y'all are out there and you have legacy tools pay attention to what zach and his company is doing because it's a solution that you may not have thought of so, Zach, when I think of the oil and gas industry and I, I think about 3D printing, one of the things is, you know, we're experimenting a lot, right? There's new tools. We talk about uh, downhole tools. There's, you know, high pressure, high temperature, uh, deep water, ultra deep water, all that stuff's going to come back. But but the technology needs are escalating. The needs for precision manufacturing is going up. What's the definition of precision manufacturing is changing, right? The, the tolerances are getting tighter and tighter. When y'all are looking at the future in oil and gas, do you see the growth of 3D printing playing a bigger and bigger role? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it goes along with what you're saying, where advanced manufacturing in general is becoming more and more mainstream. So technologies that seemed like fringe technologies five years ago are now kind of a mainstay for producing certain tools. And as that becomes more and more accepted, I think it's pretty clear that additive manufacturing and metal 3D printing and, and, and specifically is going to play a huge role there. Yeah, you know, and please, no hate mail about this because I'm just talking out loud. But, you know, there's a lot of countries in the world that have local content requirements. So the parts and pieces, a percentage of them have to be made in country. And that, that's a pain in the butt for a lot of oil and gas companies, especially the service companies. Now you could stick on your printers in country, huh? And then print the parts there. And now they're legally manufactured in that country. Yeah, I think that would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so if anybody else there is listening, they're still doing work in parts of Africa, parts of Brazil, where you have the local content stuff, take a look at this. This is this is really cool. I, that just popped in my head, but you know, I can see this because this is eventually where the world's going, right? I firmly believe that machine learning, artificial intelligence is not going to turn Terminator on us. It's just going to make us buy stuff we don't know we need. And I really think that supply chain, not just in oil and gas, but like personal, like, you know, think of Amazon. I think supply chains could change to the point where 3D printing in the future is going to be the way that we get not all of our stuff, but parts of, of what we need. Because from a supply chain sense, it make, just makes sense. We just got to get the cost down and the technology to do that sort of stuff. How cool would it be, Zach, if somewhere down the road, y'all have a bunch of printers all over the world and you're printing parts and pieces as they are needed in the oil and gas industry instead of people having to warehouse and ship stuff? I think that's the vision. I mean, I think that supply chain transformation is definitely where it's headed. Yeah, no hate mail from supply chain guys. You just need to learn how to work on these machines and you got a job forever. <laughs> All right, Zach, we're getting close to kind of winding down the show. We need to kind of pay bills for a little bit. So I got one last question for you. Is today, is the 3D printing y'all are doing, is that really ready to be integrated into our supply chain oil and gas? It sounds like it is. Yeah, no, I, it is ready. And I think that it's happening. You'll start to see it more and more. Yeah. All right. So this is a part of the show where we do our product reviews. So nobody has sent me a product, so I have nothing to review. If you want me to review your product on the mic, I'll be happy to do so. If it's great, I'll say it's great. If it's not great, I'll say it's not great. But people, it's little gadgety stuff, right? Please don't ask me to re review your air compressors or your, you know, mud pumps or any of that sort of stuff. It's, you know, things like GoPros and battery packs and that sort of stuff. So if you have something you want me to review, reach out to me. I'd be happy to do it. You heard me talk about the street team before. Go to the Facebook group. The link's in the show notes. We ask you for an hours of work 
of work a week. If you can't do it because you're busy, it's okay. And in return, you get some really cool swag. You get to be part of our press team if we're in your local geographic area and you get invites to all of our live events for free. And speaking of for free, they're not quite for free, but they're the best. BCD Travel is our travel provider of choice. They make our all and gas traveling life just easier. And Zach, you know what they're doing? What's that? They're giving away free coffee. So if you want, and you don't have to win it. They're just giving it away to our listeners. So if you want some free Starbucks coffee, go to the links in the show notes. Click on the on the link under BCD Travel, and you got yourself some Starbucks. And the Nutanix is the sponsor of the show. We're getting ready to open up the giveaways. We're going to be giving away these really cool JBL Flip 4 Bluetooth speakers to our listeners. Not quite there yet, so stay tuned. Once we get that landing page up, we start giving stuff away. We'll let you know. And then while you're online, go ahead and go to the website. Give us your email address. It's allgastechpodcast.com. We promise not to spam you. And then join our LinkedIn group. Just go to LinkedIn, type in OGG, and it'll pop right up. So, Zach, this has been awesome. It's a really fascinating to get to see behind the scenes of something I didn't even know existed. You know, best of luck to you. If people wanted to learn more about your company, where should they go? Definitely check out our website at www.velo3d.com. Yeah, and they have a oil and gas page, right? So y'all are here. Y'all are here. Y'all here to stay. So go check out their page. They have some really good videos on their website. And Zach, if people want to learn more about you, I'm guessing LinkedIn? LinkedIn's probably the best place. Yep. So folks, we'll put links to all those in the show notes. So whether you're on Android or Apple, you either swipe up or left, you'll see the show notes. You can just click on the links right there. Zach, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yep. So folks, we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everyone. Alex here with the events on deck for November. First of all, we had our best turnout ever for our latest happy hour in Houston with our panel discussion. So thanks to everyone who attended and we hope to keep offering you guys value in the future. Be sure to listen here for any future happy hours. The events on deck for November include OGGN's second Denver happy hour on November 6th from 4 to 6 p.m. The cost of attendance is $20, a portion of which goes to local charities Safe House Denver and Oil Field Helping Hands. On November 12th at Minute Maid Stadium, IBM's Oil Field of Dreams, Data, Digitization, and Disruption. This event is free for all OGGN subscribers. OGGN's Mark LaCour will be doing a live podcast with ExxonMobil and his 2020 oil and gas predictions. On November 12th through 14th is Procurement Week in Sydney, Australia. Our travel partner, BCD Travel, will be sponsoring day two of Procurement Week in Sydney. Day two has content focused on the construction, mining, and energy sectors, as well as an indirect procurement leaders forum, which encompasses travel. Industry leaders will be discussing value-driven procurement approaches, evolving technologies, and the changing landscape. And drinks are on BCD at the end of the day. The Houston chapter API Energy Petroleum Club will be meeting on November 12th in Houston. Speaker Shane McElroy will be talking about the sustainability of electric fracturing. We have another free event on deck this month for our subscribers. The Top Coder Innovation Summit will be taking place on November 14th in Houston, Texas. This event is the premier innovation event for industry leaders. You'll have the opportunity to attend panels on innovation and emerging technologies and meet with the YPRO and Topcoder executive teams. Lastly, the Algeria Oil and Gas Summit is happening on November 19th through 21st this year. Alnaft will be sharing onshore and offshore updates for Africa's leading gas producer and opportunities for independent oil and gas companies. And don't forget, if you guys would like to receive these events each month via email, click Get Mark's Monthly Events email link in the show notes of any OGGN podcast. Hope you guys have a great month. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network 
Learn more at OGGN.com.